Good morning, Valley Church. Was that awesome or what? Powerful this morning, so powerful. uh, I really got a kick out of Tim. He's just stammering around up here under the presence and the power. (laughs) Under the power of God, that blesses me because he knows what I feel like so often when I get up here and stammer and cry and have a hard time getting started. It's just like... Ah, the presence of God. There is no substitute. Ah, powerful, awesome, awesome stuff. Thank you, Lord. I just, I just want to take a minute to thank you this morning, Lord. I thank you for your goodness, your glory, that we get just little tastes of your glory. And we're just saying more. More, Lord. More, Lord. We just thank you for the more in advance, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to start with a little story this morning. Uh, Man, it's been an incredible couple of weeks. Uh, But a friend of mine, actually somebody that works for me, just the other day, I know he loves jerky. And I know somebody who made jerky. And I knew that he had eaten that jerky several times. I'd seen him with it, and he told me where he got it. And so this, this individual, I, I dropped by and was speaking with them on their porch one day, and, and they brought to me a little bag of jerky out and, and, and handed it to me. And I said, oh, thank you so much. And I'm not a real big jerky fan myself, but I knew somebody who was. And so next time I saw him later, later that day, as a matter of fact, I said, I got something for you. Got this from this, this person that I know you buy jerky from all the time. And said, here, I'd just like you to have this and, and eat this. I, I know you love jerky. And he said, uh, yes, I do. And yes, I did. And yes, I have bought it there several times. But just the other day, I was in that kitchen. He says, and, uh, no, no, thank you. I, 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 I'll pass. I, I don't want it anymore. It's like, oh. He saw where it was prepared, decided, no thank you. Uh, I, uh, no desire for that anymore. I've seen the kitchen that it was made in. And I just thought, wow. Uh, Listen to a few stories for, uh, that... Tim shared, or that was shared with Tim by the Bolts team, uh, Sean Bolts team, while they were here, talking about different places that they had been in, in kitchens and that they had been in and seen. And, and for the most part, those guys now <laughs> don't accept food from anybody because of how it may have been prepared or the kitchen that it may have been prepared in. It's kind of funny, isn't it, when you think about that? Uh, Oftentimes, when I go into a, to a restaurant, I, I will look very closely at the, at the glass. I even prefer to, prefer to drink out of a straw because of how so many times the waiters and waitresses touch the top of the glass, you know? Kind of quirky, huh? <laughs> and then if you look at the coffee cup and there's still some lipstick left on it from the last, like, oh, yeah, I need another cup. I need another cup. I don't want to drink out of anything or eat from anything that, that, that looks dirty or tainted. Or, uh, same thing with, 
with my friend. That they said, now, I saw the kitchen that jerky was made in. Like, no, no, no thank you. And I, I was just thinking that we are called to be clean vessels to share the Word of God and the goodness of God with others. <laughs> and we need ourselves to be that clean vessel to be able to, to share what He has for others. And when they look at us, that's what they need to see is something clean that they're ready and willing to receive from rather than something, oh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I'm not interested in drinking anything that, that, that you have to offer or eating anything that you have to give. Um, are you following me? This makes sense? Like, we are being called to be spotless, clean vessels to be able to properly give what he wants us to give to those that are around us. <clears throat> I think in one place it says, you know, without spot or wrinkle. Now I want to, <clears throat> and in Second Peter, I, I have such a go-to portion of, of Second Peter that I've preached from, that I have teached from, talked about many, many times. But the part that I really like about that is Peter saying to the people, you know, some of his disciples and the people that he's teaching, I know you know this. I've told you this several times, but this is so important that until the day that I die, and I'm getting older, this tent's about to come apart. This is Peter. I'm not me. That's not me here. Uh, I'm going to continue to remind you of this because this is that important. And this is something that I, I want to go over. You're going to say, Pastor Lynn, we have heard you say this so many times. It's something that I feel is that important that I need to remind you over and over again. Romans 8.29. Uh, in fact, I'm going to read it. Romans 8.29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. So... How many of us did he foreknow? How many of us did he foreknow? Yeah. He knit you together in your mother's womb, so he, he knew you before the beginning of our time anyway. He foreknew you, so he also then predestined you to be conformed into the image of his son. So we are to look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, smell like Jesus. We're to be conformed into his image so that when people see us, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are to be such people as we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, not conforming to the standards of this world, but being conformed, tra transformed by the renewing of our minds to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So it takes a little bit of renewing in our minds for us to grab onto this thought that we're called to be like Jesus. We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world, we're to look like and sound like Jesus to the world. Everybody got that? Then turn to your neighbor and say, you're supposed to look like Jesus. 
You're supposed to sound like Jesus. And you should smell like Jesus. <laughs> That's roses. Smells like roses. It says that uh, from the time Jesus was 12 years old, Luke 2.52, you know, after that Jesus grew in stature and wisdom and in favor with God and men. So for us to be like Jesus, we have to be finding ourselves growing in favor with both God and with men. Seems like God's a lot easier to please than men most of the time, doesn't it? Okay. Moving on, it also says in John 7, 38, that he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Not only are we supposed to look like, are we supposed to sound like, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well first said, if you had asked, I would have given you living water. We, as we are being conformed into the image of Christ, are supposed to be doing as Jesus did as well, and that from the deepest part of our being should be, will be, can be, is flowing rivers of living water, that people can come to us for that drink of living water because we have it to offer. We're all good? Everybody in agreement? All right. So that's what, as we position ourselves in Christ, with Christ, and through Christ, then in us and through us, will flow from our innermost being rivers of living water that bring life to those around us. Keep on keeping on here. Okay. I want you now, this is, this is what we're called to be. This is the image of Christ, this is this is <clears throat> this is exactly what we are called to be. Like Jesus, we are to be Jesus to the world. Now, I want you to turn with me to Third John two through four. Sometimes we ended up running into some complications. Um, once we've asked Jesus into our heart and life, he comes. We have Jesus living uh, in, in us, that source of living water. But, 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 we're going to talk about some of the buts. And the, the title of the message this morning, Richard, is going to be, Who You Believe In? Who Are You Believing? John saying, Beloved, I pray, second verse, that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Man, John 10.10 10 says, The devil comes to steal but to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come 
that you would have life and have it to the abundance. So Jesus has come that we would have abundant life. And here John is saying, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, which would be in accordance with Jesus' will, the reason that he came to life, for our, the reason that he came to earth, so that our lives would be full, so that we would be healthy, prospering in all things. Right? His desire is for us to prosper in all things. In our health, wealth, uh, and, among, and favor among men and God. Just as your soul prospers. Or in some translations, even as your soul prospers. So we have quite a connection here that you would prosper, that you would be in good health, just, and I think of just as, like, okay, just as, as my soul is prospering, I'm prospering in all things. As my soul is prospering, I'm walking in good health. Doesn't that make sense? Just as, so as my soul is prospering, I'm walking in good health. As my soul is prospering, I am being blessed in all areas of my life because my soul is prospering. And what is my soul anyway? My soul is the, the makeup of my intellect, of all five of my senses, my brain, my personality. My soul is the inner part of who I am. I, have, I am a triune being, just like God. Well, I'm not just like God yet, but I'm being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. So I'm getting closer and closer and closer. And I think B just raised her hand to that. <laughs> Thank you, B. <laughs> and so are you. Yes, yes, and so are you. Oh, got myself off track here. Okay, just as it prosper, prosper, being good health. What soul? Your soul. My soul is is made up of my intellect, of my thought process. My brain is, is, is part of my soul. My spirit is right down in me, and my spirit is now. I have been filled with the spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit lives in me, so I have a good, clean spirit, right? Mm. I have a good, clean spirit. There's perfection within me, the spirit of God living in me. But I have some soul issues because of all of the things that have happened to me during my life can make some attachments to me and can affect my soul which can bring me out of alignment with the purpose and will and the word of God in my life through my life and for my life because of some things that's happened to me that have created within me an unholy alliance with the enemy. This make sense? Okay, then I want to take you to another scripture if this is making sense so far. My soul, though. It, we understand soul is, well, it's my personality. It's the five senses. It, it's the, my brain that processes all five of my senses. The, what I see, what I hear, what I smell, what I taste, and what I feel. Okay, we will move now to Luke 13, verse 12. Luke 13, 12. 
Are we there? Almost. Okay, I, I think I'll go, instead of just 12, Linda, let's add a little bit more to it. Luke 12. It's talking about a, a woman. She showed up in the temple. I, I believe that she was in the temple quite regularly. Uh, Luke 13. And, uh, okay. Start with 10. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. That would be Jesus. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years. She was bent over and in no way could raise herself up. So he was teaching in the temple, so she was in the temple. Uh, and she had struggled with this for 18 years. This is what I really want to talk some about this morning. This is not somebody that he ran into out in the street that just gathered in the street because they, they saw him and they knew his, his, about him and, and the words that had been spoken about him. This is someone who was in the temple. He showed up in the temple and was, and was teaching there. And, and this woman had been, she was bent over and had been that way for 18 years because of a what? Two words before that. Because of a what? Because of a spirit of infirmity. Not just the sickness, but the spirit behind the sickness. A woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years was bent over and in no way could raise herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called to... saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. It's like, he didn't just say, you're healed. He said, you are loosed from your infirmity. That spirit is gone. It has been lifted. It's been kicked out. You're loosed from your infirmity. There's a difference right there. I remember... Uh, Man, there's been a couple of different stories, but I, I remember this one with Barb, and I've told this before, so I'll make it really short. A gentleman that showed up here and had the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. They, they had diagnosed with Parkinson's. We were praying for him in there, and I saw something just absolutely that good thing for, for Barb, or I would have been checked out. We were praying for him. I stepped away from him, was leaning up against the pole there in the prayer room for a little while, because I started seeing something, and it looked like an octopus, long black legs and the body of an octopus, but no face to it. It's like, what in the world? I'm trying to pray for this guy's healing along with seven other people. There were eight of us. It's like, I need to quit. I need to be able to focus on praying, and I'm seeing something crazy. So I, I leaned over on the, on the pole for a little while. Barb came over, and it's like, the Lord's showing you something. He's giving you the key. I said, no, I didn't see anything from the Lord, Barb. <laughs> I saw something crazy that is so distracting that I can't be praying for this guy right now. She says, he's giving you the key. Shaking me like my mother did. It's like, he's giving you the key. Now, take authority over it and, and take care of it. It's like, uh, you don't know what I saw. <laughs> I said, I saw this, I described it to her, and she says, oh, he's showing you what it is. Now you have authority. Go pray over it and kick it out of this guy. It's like, oh, okay. So, 
I did, we did, and, and I even went through this, like pulling this thing out by the, by the legs and casting it out and, and, and said, you go. And then the next thing I felt like, I got another distraction that the door to the prayer room needed to be open. It's like, no, that makes no sense. That makes absolutely no sense. Why would, why would the door need to be open? Spirits aren't, you know, they're not contained by doors and windows and walls and stuff. And uh, I had to open my eyes and quit praying again just because I was distracted and I had to look at the door and there was a lady that had stepped to the door. She's standing there holding it open in the middle of February. Afterwards, I went and asked her and so I said, you, you go out that door and to that, uh, uh, go somewhere, get out of here anyway. And uh, I spoke to that lady afterwards and said, why did you open that door? She said, because the Holy Spirit told me to. It's like, oh my goodness. It's like, wow. It took three of us Instead of, it took Barb, Christina, myself, and then all of the rest of the people that were in there praying to get that thing kicked out. He came up, started stomping. He was healed. He was healed. I remember him. A spirit of infirmity was cast out that created his healing. Even as your soul prospers, that you would then be in good health. His soul, the attachment to to his something that had attached itself to his soul. This was a man who was a believer. He had the Spirit of God living in him, but was tormented by a spirit of infirmity, which had him crippled, sick, even on his hands and knees at one point in the prayer room there. That spirit was delivered, he was delivered of that spirit, and instant healing came over his body. Okay, I want to go now. It's like, this sounds crazy, but we're going to Genesis right now. The third chapter of Genesis. <clears throat> like, what happens to someone like this woman, what, who, who, is, who is in the temple? Most undoubtedly, she's most likely a believer because she's in the temple of God. But nothing in the temple of God is helping her, the messages aren't helping her, the, the, the priests, the, all of the, the hierarchy in the temple was not helping her. She was bent over under the infirmity, the spirit of infirmity that had her gripped. And it wasn't really doing her any good to go to church. So, sometimes, we can be right in the, in the church. We can have the Spirit of God living in us, yet we can be tormented, we can be held captive from being all that we can be, from coming into alignment with the purpose that God has for our lives because of a spirit that's attached to us. Now, how in the world does that kind of thing happen? I want to read this scripture and then we're going to go into, uh, into that. Now the serpent, chapter 3, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall eat, shall not eat, thank you. Has God indeed said that you shall, let me put my glasses on, oh dear. Okay, we'll start over. Oh, it's up there now. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. 
And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Let's keep going. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat or you, or even touch it, or you shall surely die, or lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in that day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so her eyes, she said, well, it looks good, that it was pleasant to the eyes and that the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they saw and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam, and he said to him, Where are you? So he, Adam, said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. You can stop right there. You know, the garden was created a perfect, perfect place. They were given full dominion over everything on the earth. That's what they were created to do. And it didn't even rain in the garden because a mist came up from the earth and watered everything. God planted that garden, anything and everything they needed with one, 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 one command. And God said, do not eat from that tree in the middle of the garden. And what did they do? They listened to the voice of the enemy. He is the all-time liar, the twister of truth, and sometimes it's not a big, black, blatant lie that gets us. What he did, did he really say exactly that? Twisted it just enough, and sometimes he will just twist the truth enough to get our attention and make us question God. You know, there's a point in the Bible, there, there's a time in Jesus' ministry, in an area in which Jesus went, traveled, where he could do almost no miracles because of the extreme unbelief. The extreme unbelief. So, extreme unbelief. Now, what, in essence, what did they do right here? I mean, our lives continuously we're taken to a point of, of decision, of choice. Are you going to believe God, or are you going to believe the devil? It's like one or the other. Do you believe God and all of his promises and what he tells us, what he shows us, his truth? Or are you going to believe the devil who says, oh, maybe if you think of that just a little bit differently, you can buy in. I was here it's a, a while back. Uh, a young man came to me, and he had been struggling. He'd gone through a, first he'd gone through a divorce, ended up hooking up with another lady, and, and brought his family and her family together, and they cohabitated. 
They were in church pretty regularly, and God ended up healing both of these people. It was just amazing how he, he blessed them and he touched them. And, uh, but they never did get married. Finally, their relationship completely fell apart. I didn't even see either of them around for a long time. And this has been a while back. So it's not somebody that you're going to say, oh, it was that, oh, it was him, oh, it was him. No, no. Um, then he showed up in church after a long period of probably six months to a year of missing and had another woman with him. Pastor Lynn, can we go in your office and talk? Sure, I'd love to. We went in my office and talked and he said, hey, I have this, I want to introduce you, okay. And man, she is wonderful. She is awesome. She is great. And we're going to be coming to church here. We're going to get... And uh, I started talking to him. I said, okay, and what is your relationship like this time? Well, she's blah, 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 blah. She, she's wonderful. And this one is like, okay, this is round three. The second one you didn't marry. Uh, are you planning to get married? Well, that's... Uh, and then I said, are you having sex? It's like... <sighs> Conversation came to a really quick halt. It stopped for a little bit. Well, okay. We've probably talked enough about that right now. Sir, let me tell you, what are you doing different this time than you did last time then? Why do you expect this to be a success? It's like, uh, well, I said, I, well, I would like you to mentor me this. I said, <laughs> I tried last time. So, what are you going to do differently this time? Well, I said, you, you need to bring her in here. You need to make a decision that, you know what, I'm going to live by what the Word says. I said, you know what the Word says about that? It says that, 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 that no fornicators will enter the kingdom of God. It's like, so if you're coming to church and wanting just to get the church fix on Sunday, but you're not willing to change your life, we're both just wasting our time, my friend. I would love to help you. I would love to mentor you, but you're not listening anyway. So if all it is doing is making you feel better just to come to church on Sunday morning, we're really both wasting our time. And I didn't see him anymore. <laughs> so I thought, wow, that really worked. The reality is we cannot continue doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I was just, I was just thinking, you know, from God's perspective, and we are His children, He would say, I believe, yeah, that's my daughter. Are you loving her? Are you honoring her? Are you respecting her? That's my daughter. You follow me? So, could you then even think about asking him to do you a favor to help you if you're treating his daughter like that? 
Or to the, to the woman, well, that's my son that you're seducing, that you're dragging into this stuff, you know? Can you really expect me to honor your request if you're not willing to make some changes for me? Are you hearing me? Is this not truth? Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You want freedom this morning? Learn the truth, follow the truth. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. But the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, Adam and Eve knew fear for the first time after they sinned. They had never experienced fear before. They were given dominion over everything. They lived in a perfect situation, so there was nothing to fear. There was no fear. But once they had sinned and their eyes were opened up to what they were doing wrong, and God's voice came into the garden, it's like, we were afraid. What were you afraid of? Well, we were afraid because we sinned, basically. But it's the goodness of God to pursue them. He didn't just see that they sinned and turn his back on them and say, you're done, you're, you're finished, you're gone. There were consequences for their sin that they paid fairly dearly for. But Jesus came and shed his blood for us so that we don't have to deal with those same kind of consequences. There's still consequence for sin. You know what divorce does? It just tears people apart. It's difficult on children. It's, it's, a, it's a tough, tough, tough thing. I know for sure. Uh, God has designed man and woman to make a commitment one to another and stay together for life. And sometimes it's suck it up and do it. Not all that easy to do. Okay, moving on. Talking about the, that, that ungodly attachment and, and who you believe. What I want to very clearly establish in Genesis, it's like, who do you believe? The Word of God says this. God said, don't. That's the only thing don't to do. And they did because they began to reason on their own. Actually, this makes sense. Maybe God made a little mistake right here because this kind of makes sense that, that, that we do that. It looks good. Why would he say not to do that? It looks good. Just, you know, the Nike symbol, just do it. It looks good. It feels good. Just do it. It pleases our senses. Why not just do it? Because the Word of God says very clearly, this is a not. This is a not. But it's got so many promises and so many do-dos in it. Now, I mean, do-do this. Do this. Do this. Honor this. Go this direction. I remember... uh, a friend of mine, Javier Lopez, some, some, several of you would, would remember Javi, and he's, he's somebody that in his earlier days, 
He was addicted to drugs, he was addicted to meth, he struggled with alcohol, and God visited him. He realized he was losing his, his family, and, and in that visit where God visited him and, and spoke to him, and he, he experienced a manifestation, and he prayed this prayer, God, I want to be addicted to you and to your presence. Replace this addiction to alcohol and to drugs with an addiction for more of you and for your presence. And God gave him that request, granted him that request. And he was an amazing youth leader here for, for several years. Javi, just an amazing man of God that had quite a, quite a testimony. But see, there are... There is a, a positive option for a replacement for the negative things. We don't want to run around sin conscious thinking, I don't want to drink, I don't want to do drugs, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, or we will do. We will do. Whatever, wherever our mind is, what we're concentrating and we're focusing on is what we will end up doing. Instead, it's like Javi said, I want more of you, Lord. We have to find that positive replacement which there is nothing that is as fulfilling or completely fulfilling like the presence of God. Seeking His presence and more of Him. That's number one. Then we begin to think about, you know, what else? What, what, what is it? When there's a... Okay, now we're going to go a little bit into some of the some of the attachments, some of the things that can, that can happen that we can hang on to that is directly from the enemy that attaches to us that will continue to speak to us, causing us to just well, either up and down, up and down, or else just circles and cycles, circles and cycles. There are so many people, we did Celebrate Recovery for a handful of years around here, and I watched so many people just Climb, 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 doing so well, so well, and then something happened and <laughs> Or just go in a, just a big circle and start all over again, around the mountain again, and around the mountain again. And they came to realize that there are soul wounds, soul attachments that we will go back to. When, when we are delivered, we are made a new creation in Christ. When Jesus comes into our heart and life, we are a new creation in Jesus Christ. We are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. We are washed in His blood. Cleansed, a new creation. But something that has happened to us from the past, some word curses even, words that are spoken over us, it's like, oh, that's the stupidest thing, you are so dumb. You know, dumb kid, knock it off. Why can't you be more like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? She is so easy to raise and so easy to deal with. Why do you have to be so obstinate? Why do you, why do you, why do you? And, and that comparison then, or those words like, you're stupid, you're dumb. It doesn't matter if, if, if you have heard several times when you're young, when you're growing up and impressionable. Oh, that's dumb. Don't be silly. Don't be stupid. That's a dumb thing to do. That's dumb. You can hang on to that. You can grow up with that. And it doesn't matter how many degrees you have or what you have accomplished. 
you still remember that and you can't overcome that because it's something that you've not been healed from, you have not addressed, gone back and directed your focus on that because you never realized that so many of your decisions were based on something where you've gone back to where you were six years old or five years old and heard, oh, you're dumb, you're dumb, you're stupid, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never. That can keep somebody in the church bent over, held down, held back, chained and shackled, unable to do, unable to be what God has called them to do or to be. That is one of those negative, something that has to be taken care of in the spirit and in the natural. We have to, in our soulish realm, recognize, in the spirit realm, deal with. Right? I had two stories. There was a, a young lady that Nay and I knew really well. Beautiful little 17-year-old girl. And we found out that she had been for several years. Um, don't really know exactly how many. She had been sexually abused. And she ended up the, the process, the, the, the thought process, as the enemy begins to speak through that attachment to her soul, she was in church, she had received the Holy Spirit, but that attachment she would go back to and listen to that voice that says, you are valuable sexually. That's where people are attracted to you because of that. That's, and that's where the only place that she then found her, her value. So in her high school, she went to a, one of the local high schools around here. She ended up taking a picture of herself, a very inappropriate picture of herself, sending that picture to someone that she thought, this is what people like about me. This is where my value is. So she sent an inappropriate picture of herself to a guy friend of hers. Thought, this is really going to make him like me. Well, he showed it all around the school. She committed suicide. And it was, you know, it was absolutely horrible. It's like, oh, my goodness. But it was because she had a, a wound and an attachment, and she listened to the enemy, not to truth. We have to come to a place where we see, recognize, even go back and visit that time, that thing that happened to us. We have to then cut that tie off, disconnect that tie, hang on to, believe, continually renewing our mind with truth. Saved by the blood of the Lamb, washed by the blood of Jesus. And then we need to continually, it says in uh, Ephesians 5.26, by the washing of the Word, that we wash ourselves with the Word of God, continually showering. We bathe in the blood of Jesus and we shower ourselves with the Word of God, bringing cleansing to our soul. 
Everybody still with me? I knew a, a young man in his early 30s shared his testimony with me. When he was five years old, he, he has a very vivid memory of five years old. And it, at five years old, his dad was a drunk and his dad beat his mom up all the time. And so he got a kitchen knife to protect his mom and went and stabbed his dad in the thigh. His dad pulled the knife out and stuck his son, got a scar on his arm, stabbed him back in the arm. The police ended up getting called. And it took four years later four years before mom finally got the intestinal fortitude, the whatever, to make that change. So this kid became accustomed to getting beat up. Every time his dad would come home drunk, he'd get beat up. And just, he began to think, this is what, this is what life is about. He couldn't protect his mom anymore. That already backfired on him. He got stabbed in the arm, got a scar in his arm. And so, at nine years old, mom finally said, yeah, that's enough. Dad ended up going off to prison, where he still is in prison. Well, this young man then had a stepdad that came in. Stepdad didn't really know how to love him well, but he taught him great work ethic. He said, I'm going to teach you to be a worker, boy. And he taught him how, you know, some, some great, some talents. Guy owned a, a big, a good-sized business. And uh, the kid learned to work hard. He got up to about junior high age, and he was a really good, he was an athlete, became a really good football player, and a, pit, a pitcher on the baseball team. And he is funny, funny guy. All kinds of funny stuff come out of his mouth all of the time. What he began to realize in listening to the voice of the enemy, that he had value and people liked him because he was a star football player. Because he was an incredible pitcher on the baseball team, he worked and worked and strived and strived and strived and strived. And through those works, he found value by the works, by his striving. So he, he found some value in that. And then his stepdad started, you know, really enjoying this kid's turning into a good worker. So he realized and started to find value but never ended up feeling or experiencing or thinking that he was loved. Only valued because of what he could do, what he could accomplish, and that he could make people laugh. So he spent his time making people laugh, playing sports, and working hard for dad. Never experienced the love of dad. He started going into depression when he was 16 and 17 years old, found himself very depressed, but nobody knew about it because he continued to make people laugh and he still played really good in sports. And he was an incredible worker. He got promoted and pro promoted, uh, you know, working summers and stuff for, for his dad. But he got to the point that there, there was so much depression and he started listening to the voice of the enemy that said, that's the only good that you are if you weren't such a good athlete. Nobody would even hang around you. If you weren't so funny and made people laugh, people wouldn't have anything to do with you. And the only reason your stepdad even keeps you around is because you're such a good worker. You're not loved. You're not valued. None of that. It's like... So he began journaling, and he, he, he still has these, 
these journals and he writing these thoughts down and writing these thoughts down. Finally got to the point, and he was in church. He was also in a youth group. Not there all of the time because of all of his sports and all of the activities that he had going on, but he was a part of a youth group in a big church. Finally, he, he decided, because the voice of the enemy that he chose to listen to rather than the truth that sets you free, listening to the voice, listening to the enemy, he finally decided, you know what, the world would be a better place without me. The only reason, just like that, that young girl that committed suicide, so much like that, the story, it's like, said, the world would be a better place without me, I'm just going to end it all. So he ended up, I have 18 pages left in my journal. When I hit that 18th page, I'm going to commit suicide. It's going to be done. It's going to be over. He got to the last page and been listening to the enemy, and he was even excited about it. He's telling me the story. He was even excited about it. You know what? This is finally going to be done. I can't keep this up. My only value is because nobody really loves me just because of what I can do. Just because I'm this, this football player, this baseball pitcher, I'm, I'm the guy that makes everybody laugh. And yes, I can put on a roof. I can do a good job in construction. And, uh, but they won't miss me. In fact, it'll be a better place without me. So he's excited about his last page. He's written it. And he gets out the sharp, the sharp knife, goes down into his basement, and he starts. He even got it started. And the phone rang. He's going, oh great, somebody will answer that phone. I'll get this. I better get the phone. I better get the phone. Drops the knife, picks up the phone, starts talking to it. He says, hi, this is so-and-so. I'm your youth leader, and I haven't seen you for a long time, man. I've really missed you. I would love to get back together. We need to connect up. We need to have some coffee together. I just need some time with you, my friend. And and I got something that I want to run by you, something that I think would be great for you. And he's like, you do? You want? You want to see me? You it's like, uh, okay. So he hung up the phone, thought about it. It's like, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have coffee with him. His life got turned around. His life got turned around. It was a slow process, but God came in. The presence of God came in, came over him, and he is he's in the ministry now. Psych. So, yeah. Not without some more struggles and some more issues. He... he finally had to go back and finally had to realize exactly what had happened and now that has become a part of his testimony. And it's a powerful, powerful testimony to, to free, to bring freedom to, to young people. And wow. See, each one of us has things in our life, in, in, our, in our growing up. There, there's things that have unholy alignment, attachments that, that, that the enemy, as young as two and three and four and five-year-olds, that has allowed the enemy to go on and just 
stick a hook in right there. Stick a hook in right there. And when we get near the top of the mountain, we get a jerk and get pulled right back down because the enemy has legal access to us when we come into alignment with what he's telling us, just like in Genesis. If we listen to his voice, if we question what God is saying, and it turns that then turns into unbelief. We're partnering with the enemy, giving him legal access into our lives, and we have got to cut that out and cut that off. You want freedom? Believe the Word of God. You want true freedom? Take, I remember, I'm out of time, so we're going to have to get finished up. I remember a time where Ann and I went to a, a, a conference, a workshop, and in that, in that workshop, this was 20, 25 years ago, something like this, in, the, in this workshop, we, this guy, this psychologist, he went around and he, he was trying to get people to step into breakthrough, you know, in businesses, breakthrough in business rather than around and around and around and around, keeping you from being successful. It's like, why do these things continue happening to me? Why do I, why do I, why do I? It's because there are still unholy alliances that need to be broken off, that need to be broken off, hooks that need to be pulled out, and healing that needs to happen, which can be, it's like the salve of the blood of Jesus, completely believing his truth, washing ourselves with the word of God continuously washing by his word. Well, we went to that and I, and I just was stunned to watch when this guy started talking about, you know, everybody close their eyes. There's probably something that happened to you. Your earliest, your earliest recollection, the earliest thing that you can remember where somebody came into your life and somebody hurt you or somebody said something that was very hurtful to you and what, what, what was that experience? Remember that experience and and this guy was so hilarious how this, how this worked because he was not a, a Christian. But he says, okay, now that person that came in and hurt you, imagine them in like Superman underwear. It's like, what? It's like, imagine them as, you know, just something ridiculous. He says, and now you have authority over that. You know, this, this is ridiculous. Now, you have authority over that as, as you imagine this, walk back through this. He says, now they're so small in your life. Go ahead and forgive them for that. Go ahead and forgive them for that. And then uh, the last thing in this, in, in this time, there was loud music playing. It was loud rock and roll music. Had everybody put their hands on the person in front of them. We're going around a big gym and making a declaration, uh, an audible declaration, just as loud as you can shout it. It got really loud in there over that loud rock and roll music of what you're going to break through. What, whatever that situation was that had happened to you, you're speaking to that situation and declaring your breakthrough as you're dancing around to, remember that, Renee? As you're dancing around to that music, and it was just amazing to watch that happen 
and what happened in that secular realm to the people because of the process that they went through. It's really the same thing that we need to do. So let, let's stand together. Uh, Renee, would you come and sing that, that song? I think that would be a, an awesome way to close. It's just, I would like, she's going to sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. And as she sings that song, and we just close our eyes and say, you want complete freedom? This is Independence Weekend. You want complete freedom this weekend? We're going to ask the prayer team to come up here, here just in a few minutes. But before that, we're, we're just, I just want to go through as we all just close our eyes and and raise our hands and, and sing this, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. I just say, Holy Spirit, come and reveal to us any of the soul wounds that we have had and that we have experienced, where we've partnered with the devil, unknowingly, we've partnered with the devil, that truth twister, and we've partnered with him in what he was saying, which created unbelief in us. So I say, Holy Spirit, show us. Show us each one as we invite you and your presence to come in. And I just speak healing over every single situation where there's been word curses that have been spoken over you. You know, somebody telling you that you're fat, you're ugly, you don't matter, you don't count. And you've been striving and striving doesn't matter how many degrees it doesn't matter how much you serve it doesn't matter what all you do you don't have to prove anything to anybody but to your Heavenly Father who loves you whose desire is to see you he sent his son to die for you by his stripes you're healed by his blood you are cleansed you are forgiven you are made whole I say receive that today. Just receive what he died for for you today. Let's just raise our hands and say, Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, show me. And let's sing with Renee. Flood this place and fill the so welcome here. This place and fill the In your presence is fullness of joy. Reveal to us, reveal to us where we've partnered with the enemy. Reveal to us, Father, where we've partnered with the enemy. And forgive us. Forgive us and make us whole. Forgive us and make us whole. I repent for any agreement, any unholy agreement that I've come into with the enemy. I love you, Jesus. I trust you, Lord. I believe your word. 
to be overwhelmed, overcome by your presence. Now if the prayer team will come up. Flood this place with your incredible presence. We praise you. We thank you. We love you, Lord. God is what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence. If you want freedom this morning, if you want complete freedom, if you feel and know and Holy Spirit has, has shown you something and you'd like to be prayed for, you'd like to have that broken off, have hands laid on, just like Jesus laid hands on one of the, one of the translations talks about Jesus laid hands on her and she was loosed. She was loosed. I invite you to come right to the very front. I'd like to pray for you. If there's something that you need to get broken free from so you can do what he's calling you to do. There's something that... Ah. You know there's something that you need to release, maybe even somebody that you need to forgive. But so importantly, something that you need broken off you, that you need to release so you can enjoy good health, so that you can walk in His goodness. Can we just... Can we just stay for a few moments and just stay in His presence and those that are, that are in their seats? If you could just pray from where you are for just a few minutes for those that have come. So let's just get unified in our prayer, praying for freedom and breakthrough for those that are in need this morning. And if you need to go, you're released to go. I'd encourage you to stay for a few minutes and pray. <laughs> 